time for the car doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston, or maybe you listen on 100.3 FM, or maybe you're listening on the app, the WROL Radio app, or WROLradio.com. Anyway, you can find us. And of course, if you miss the program, you can always find it on iTunes and Stitcher and my podcast site, which is johnatpaul.podomatic.com. On this rainy Saturday, hey, it's not snowing yet, so that's a good thing. So, it's but what it is is car show season, and uh, with us on the phone is Chris Russell of the Boston Auto Show. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Hey, it's auto show season. There's uh, sure. usually there's a little chill in the air and sometimes some snow. Right now we have uh, oh we had what temperatures of the 60s this week, but uh, but it's still uh, it's still time to think about the. Uh, Boston Auto Show, which is going to be taking place uh, uh, Martin Luther King weekend, right? That's right, over at the Boston Convention Center, and we've got one heck of a show planned this year. Some really terrific vehicles. In fact, yesterday, I got some great news. Jeep is going to be bringing the brand new Gladiator, the 2020 Jeep Gladiator. So, so for people who've been wanting to see the new Jeep pickup truck in person, and they haven't had a chance to see it because it wasn't able to be seen anywhere other than the L.A. Auto Show, it's going to be it in Boston. The star of the show. Yeah. Yep. Wow. The star of the show, and Def CA really wanted that. And supposedly one of the brand-new Ram trucks is coming, too. Hmm. I don't know which one just yet. They're teasing me. But hmm. these new Ram trucks that they're really proud of, They've worked really hard to get one from Boston, too. In fact, the other big uh, vehicle we've got coming is the 2020 Lincoln Aviator. Ah. So we've got 2020. We just started 2019, and here we are. We're going into 2020 already. 2020, yeah, uh, because I, I, have, I have recently driven the 2019 Lincoln Nautilus, but the idea that there's going to be a 2020 at the show is uh, is pretty exciting. And, and I think just the idea that uh, – you know some of these some of these fabulous new cars and and you know we talk about this when we talk about the auto show it really is there is no place where you can go and go sit from car to car i don't and i don't care if you're looking for a you know a toyota camry or uh you know a pickup truck you can't go from as easily from okay, I want to see the I want to see the new Ram, I want to see the new Chevy, I want to go see the new Ford. Hey, I, you know Nissan makes a truck, I want to go look at that. Toyota makes a full size truck, I want to go look at that. You know that's a lot of work going from dealer to dealer, and you can do it right at the auto show, really easily. And we have test drives too. So say you get into the brand new Tegan, and you like this, and hey, wow, this is a terrific interior. I like it. Go test drive it. Yeah. Driving around the convention center, you know? Um, but, uh, this is great, too. Toyota is bringing the Mirai for test drives at the Ride and Drive. Really? So, and the Mirai, yeah, so for people, people that actually, don't know, is a uh, is a hydrogen car. So people could come to the show and be some of the first New Englanders to ever test drive one of these fuel cell vehicles. I've never, driven, I've never driven 
Huh. I, I can't uh, wait. I know. <laughs> Maybe we can do it together. <laughs> yeah. Also, some more news. Um, this just came in, too. Danny DeSantis of McLaren Boston mm-hmm. has agreed to participate in the show. And right now we have four vehicles, four McLarens coming. Two are rather special. One vehicle is worth $2 million. It's a uh, 2015 P1. It's in this incredible color, Papaya Spark. Originally went for 1.2 mil. It's now up to $2 million. And also uh, Michael Fuchs, the uh, innovator of sleep comfort and sleep innovations, he bought a 720 Coupe from McLaren that was at Pebble Beach a couple of years ago and was the star of the show. Mm-hmm. The reason why is McLaren created a whole new color for his car. So it's called Fuchs Fuchsia. And if anybody wants to see it up close and personal, come to the auto show and it will be there parked and ready for you to photograph. He did pretty good for like a... a uh, mattress salesman. For a guy who started coming over, an immigrant from Cuba who had nothing to have 160 exciting vehicles and he doesn't even know where they are, that's pretty good. You know, I, I lose my keys once in a while. You know, I don't know if I don't know if I could lose a half a million dollar car. We also have two the two fastest SUVs in the world will be there as well at the show. And uh, what are those? Well, we got it depends on who you're talking to. Bentley fans like to think the Bentayga is yep. the fastest one in the world. Um, and then the Lamborghini Urus is brand new, and that goes a couple of miles faster. It's like, like 187 versus 190 miles between the two vehicles. Hmm. But they are definitely the two fastest SUVs in the world currently, and people can look at those too. Well, you know, so far you've, you've talked about cars that are way outside of my budget. Even if I hit, the, even if I win the lottery, I don't know that I have enough money to, <laughs> to, to buy to buy some of those cars. And and uh, I don't know. It was probably a couple months ago. I had Danny DeSantis on the show. He had an open house at Boston McLaren, and uh, he he uh, is as much as he loves cars. He also loves uh, uh, fast boats. He's a big offshore boat guy, and uh, you know he's uh, you know he, he's uh, come he's come a long way from selling uh, Chevrolet. Silverado pickup trucks and and he's uh, and he's just he's a he's a really he's a really interesting guy and just the idea that um, having some McLarens at the Boston Auto Show where you can where you can see these cars um, up close and personal and especially in such unique colors that um, I know I saw one I saw one on a trailer one day and. I saw the color of the car before I actually saw the car. I mean, they they have the you know some some of the people that own these cars do them in some really exotic looking colors. Steve Sayo will be there with some of his Aston Martins and Lotus as well, talking about exotic cars yeah. that are interesting to look at. So, you know, if you want to come and look at Lamborghini and McLaren and Aston Martin, this is a great place. But you know, if you're also looking for some family fun, you're looking for something for the family. Um, as far as activities go, something new this year is race car pit stop. And what we've done is we've invited the New England region of the Sports Car Club of America owners okay. to bring their vehicles, and they're going to park them in an area. Uh-huh. And then families can go in, and they can take selfies and pretend that they're Mario and Andretti or Michael Schumacher or whatever. There's gonna be all different types of competitive racing vehicles for people to play with and enjoy. And if they want to talk to one of the members about joining the club or what it's about, they can do that too. Hmm. Hmm. That's a, that, that sounds really interesting. And on Saturday of the show, um, there's also going to be the uh, Mass Auto Dealers uh, Student Skills Competition going on, right? 
there was we got a lot going on for everybody, all different ages. And I think there's going to be a live broadcast from I, that. I I think I think I may be there. I think I may be there. Yeah. There's a good there's a good possibility. Dennis 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 says he doesn't really care because he's going to Florida that weekend. So, Thanks, <laughs> be nice and sunny, warm weather. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. So no st- no stress on his side. So he's all so he's all good. So he doesn't care. So, um, you know, and it really and more it, fun for the family too. But one more thing for the sure. family fun too. This year he's got some um, gaming simulators and virtual reality for racing. So everything from Hyundai has a brand new racing simulator kit. And they're bringing that to Boston. Um, two, we have Mindtrek, which is a local business, and that's virtual reality as well. So people can actually get the feel for speed if they really want to. They can try that and put it on and, and pretend that they're driving these vehicles. I got to say, I've been to Mindtrek a couple times with my son. And granted, I haven't done any, they haven't done the racing games, but they do first person shooter games, and it is all immersive. It is unbelievable. Really? No, it is incredible. I can't wait. <laughs> so, I haven't seen it yet. I can't wait. <laughs> and, and for people who haven't been to the, and I never get it right, B-E-C-E? B-E-C-E-C. B- We're just calling it the Boston Convention. Yeah, yeah, let's, call it, it yeah let's call it that. Yeah. And for people who haven't been there, um, you know, 20 years ago, that was sort of, uh, um, I was going to say Oasis, but it was more... It was kind of out in the middle of nowhere. There was a couple of restaurants and not a lot. Now, you know, that area of town is just exploded with restaurants and things to do. So for somebody going out to the auto show and maybe they're going, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat convention center food. There's some of the best restaurants in the world right around the corner. Five years ago that area wasn't even that developed. And I get lost down there now because there's so much new development, so many new restaurants. Keeping up with that, just because we have shows in that area, it's difficult because there's so many new restaurants popping up. But they're adjacent to the convention center. They're walking distance. It's not that bad because you just walk across a bridge sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's so many. People make a day of it down there now. And they'll come down and they'll do the show, and maybe they'll go to um, Quincy Market or something in the North End. And so the other show becomes a destination for the whole family. Right. It it really it really it really is. And for people who are concerned about parking, you can. And I say this like I know what I'm doing. You, the Silver Line drops you right off out in front of the convention center. It does. It does. I mean, so, it, I see people take Ubers and Lyfts to the auto show yeah. because they're looking to purchase a vehicle and they want to get there. So it's it's a family fun day. There no pressure whatsoever. The, the representatives that are there to answer your questions about the vehicles. I always say try to stump them. It's awfully hard. I they know so much about these vehicles. I have to say that um, you know, and, and maybe it's just a function of my age or something. But I always thought, oh, the you know the the, the people up on the turnstile, they, you know, they're they're up there kind of you know, Vanna whiting the car and kind of pointing to it. But the amount of knowledge that they have about the vehicles and what they don't know about it, most of them are carrying iPads around. And yep. they they can come up with, I remember asking a, a woman at, at one of the shows about uh, LED headlights in a particular model car. And they didn't have any on display, and she and she goes, no, that's available in this trim level with this. And then she kind of looked on her iPad to just verify it, and she's like, no, no, and uh, it, uh, you know, you have to order this trim package with it to get it. And I'm like, wow, you know, they they really they know their stuff. And they know when the product's coming out. They know what the developments are, what makes it a little bit better than, like for example, with the Gladiator. You know, 
there are some modifications on what was the old Wrangler. Mm-hmm. They'll know everything about that. So if you have any questions, and sometimes the old timers will come in and they'll try to compare the old Gladiator to the new Gladiator. Those type of people will also have fun with Muscle Car Showcase. We have Scrub a Dub Car Wash's Muscle Car Showcase. And this year, Rich Doucette from the Boston Cup has acquired some very interesting vehicles for us. Um, of all different colors, I might add. I can't wait to see the 1970 Plymouth Superbird. Ah. Um, he's got a 1957 Chevy Corvette convertible. And I just got a photograph yesterday of the 1965 Ford Mustang convertible. Really sharp. And there's going to be an AC Cobra there as well from 1964. That's, uh, so, you know, you just you, you just rattled off, you know, uh, you know $2 million worth of cars. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's all Rich Doucette from the Boston Cup. He's got those contacts, and he's looking to bring different vehicles than last year. Obviously, these are all new vehicles. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to seeing some of these vehicles just because of the colors. We're going to have blue and red and white in one space. It's going to be very interesting to see what that Superbird looks like next to a a Mustang. And for people who have not been to the new convention center and remember the Boston Auto Show at uh, Bayside, uh, where it was for many, many years, um, it's certainly not the same. I would say it's been 10 years. The Bayside is long gone. I think the only remnants are the sign yeah. facing the expressway. <laughs> yeah. And if you haven't been to the auto show since Bayside, you've got to see the new building, and you've got to see the, the way we pull the show off, because it's very different than the old show. Right, and where the old it's show... Big. The old show had uh, the old space had low, fairly low ceilings. Uh, you can put in some pretty, pretty fabulous displays in this new convention, spe- convention they center. They do. Space. In fact, Honda's got a new display kit this year. And it's supposed to be this incredible video wall. and So the, the, the manufacturers are investing in the shows, making sure that they've got the best vehicles, um, the best people to represent these vehicles, kits that actually help you understand and experience the vehicle better. Um, they really do make it accessible and family fun. And like Hyundai has games and Kia has video stuff and Nissan and Toyota has activities too. So you can walk away with a couple of tchotchkes too. Yeah. No, it's it's or a it's photograph or something. Yeah, fun. no, it's it's always great. And I don't know if you got the e- email or not from uh, one of my listeners who said, um, "Yeah, that's all good, but can I charge up my electric car somewhere near the auto show?" <laughs> Actually, I think they have some um, charging stations downstairs. We don't run the parking. That's yep. part of the right. uh, MCCA. The yep. city has that, but there are charging stations. And also, I do know for a fact the Seaport Hotel has charging stations. So if you go there. Um, on Saturday and Sunday and Monday of the show in particular, um, those are always open. Yeah. I've seen those open on Saturdays and Sundays before. So if you want to charge up, come on, charge up. And if you're looking at an electric vehicle, we'll have vendors there who actually sell the charging stations. You could ask them about what, what does it take to buy an electric car and what's it take to get a charging station for my home. They're there for you. This sounds, this sounds like, you know, you've covered everything from, Pretty much economy, daily driver cars to super exotic SUVs and uh, exotic road cars to uh, classic muscle cars of the of the mid '60s. It sounds like this show may have more depth to it than uh, shows in the recent recent past. It seems like that's what they, we want it to be more experiential. That's why I like the race car pit stop. Mm-hmm. This is the largest new car showroom in New England for five days. And it's the biggest selfie station in New England for five days. Everyone's taking photographs of themselves in cars, next to cars. Um, 
you should see how many photographs are taken. I'd like to know how many photographs are taken over the course of five days because people use this as an opportunity, as an experience for the family to photograph, you know, the baby behind the wheel of a car yep. or, you know, grandma in a convertible or people just looking at their dream cars and, and photographing it. Yeah. Do you, do you guys... It's a fun experience when you see everything happening on the show floor and you see how many different types of people and different generations and people reminiscing about an old car at the Muscle Car Showcase or a little kid getting behind the wheel and pretending they're a race car driver. It's a lot of fun. And the manufacturers bring activities as well and events so that people can participate and learn. And, you know, it's more fun to learn about stuff when you're having fun. Absolutely. And do you guys have any kind of, like, social media type um, game where people can post pictures and hashtag it and do some fun stuff There's, with uh, it? Instagram. Yep. And I, I like to use Facebook book for yep. uh, the show because people seem to communicate our audiences better with Facebook yep. so I've been using that as a platform and if people we posted something about the new Chevy Blazer mm-hmm. on Facebook um, I can't believe how many responses we got people making fun of it <laughs> people bringing photographs of the old blazer up some people can't wait to see the new blazer um, talk about a conversation starter that had the probably the most response we've had in a long time yeah no, that's that sounds great. Hey, uh, so uh, the website for the show, if people want more information, is bostonautoshow.com. Bostonautoshow.com, easy to get to, and you were kind enough to send me some more tickets to give away. So we're to give, give away some, but uh, if people want to buy tickets, you buy them right at right at the door. And uh, any discounts available? You know what? For your listeners today, I've got a special code. Okay. If they type in a promo code C A R one nine. Okay. Car nineteen. Car nineteen. They can save two. They can save two dollars off a ticket. Perfect. Hey Chris, All right. pleasure as always. Thank you, and we'll see you at the show. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for having me on the show, and I'll see you there. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you. That was Chris Russell of the Paragon Group, which is a group that puts together the Boston Auto Show and the Connecticut Auto Show. Uh, just uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great it's a great time. It's a great time to go. And uh, if you want tickets to the auto show, you can email me at jpaul at aaanortheast.com, jpaul at aaanortheast.com, and you can, and I will send you some tickets. We got a few more to give away. So, and I might have a couple of RV show tickets too, but I'm not sure about those. But as for the auto show tickets. Hey, with us on the phone is Mark Hanchette. He is the founder and CEO of Atlas Motor Vehicles. Mark, good morning and welcome to the Car Doctor Program. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, let's let's talk. You know, we were just talking to one of the folks from the uh, Boston Auto Show, which is going to be taking place here in the Boston area um, over Martin Luther King weekend. And we we're talking about the variety of vehicles and how um, at the turn of the last century, if you went out and bought a car, you could buy a car that had... Uh, you know, gasoline engine or diesel engine, or it could be electric or, you know, who, who knows, could run on propane or steam or whatever the case is. But um, but electric vehicles uh, are starting to come into their own. And one area that you guys are doing is a um, electric pickup truck, right? That is right, yes. Tell us, tell us about um, kind of, you know, is it... Uh, you know your, your your vision with an electric truck as opposed to an electric car. Why a truck? Well, if you look at the market trends today, a majority of the market is transitioning away from the smaller cars, especially here in the U.S. 
and transitioning towards SUVs and pickup trucks, and pickup trucks being one of the most beloved vehicles in America, it seemed like the, the, the best choice for electrification. It seemed like the most popular choice eventually to come to fruition, and we wanted to get a head start on that as early as we possibly could. And unlike electric cars up until a few years ago, uh, range was pretty limited. I mean, I remember driving a 19-something, I don't know, 15 Baker electric car, and it had about a 50-mile range. And I remember driving a 1990-something Solectria electric vehicle, which was uh, uh developed by a, a couple of MIT folks here, and it had about a 50-mile range, and it didn't change. But battery development has changed a lot in the last few years. What's the, what's the proposed range of, of uh, your truck? We're looking at a base range starting at 300 miles and a maximum range of the vehicle of 500 miles. Now, 300, 300 miles has always been... You know, even with a even with a gasoline car, you know, if your car couldn't go 300 miles between Phillips, it was always it was always going to be kind of a oh, you know, I got to stop and get gas again. Uh, 300 miles with right. an electric car is pretty impressive. 500 miles is crazy. It is, it is, but it, it's necessary uh, it, when you're talking about pickup trucks. When you're talking about vehicles that have to haul heavy loads that are doing work. Uh, 500 miles in a single stretch of a trip is is really a requirement that the customers came back and told us that is a must-have. That is something that that's shifting between no and a yes when they want to buy a vehicle. Right, and uh, I have I have a acquaintance, I guess, who has a Tesla, and he's taken it to Florida a couple times, and he has to kind of plan his trip out, even though it gets pretty good range. He still has to plan his trip out. Um, you know, battery size is the equivalent of gas tank size in miles per gallon. How long does it take to recharge your truck? So if you're using the Atlas Advanced Charging Station, we can charge our truck in 15 minutes, regardless of the range option you have selected. How does that work? Uh, what we've basically done is incorporated uh, a few different technologies that uh, exist today, as well as a completely proprietary uh, battery cell and pack construction method uh, to be able to charge our batteries very, very quickly. Now, are you going to be like Tesla? Or are you going to set up charge your own charging stations across the country? That's the current plan, although we are looking for partnerships. Uh, similar to Tesla, the size of the charging station that we're developing, they have proposed a large charging station for their semi-truck. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be comparable with that. So we're looking for partnerships as well. Well, Dennis has got some extra money. Yeah, no, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, you know, uh, pickup trucks, you know, most pickup trucks, you see them and they have one person in them and, you know, they might not be working too hard, but you do see pickup trucks where, uh, there's people in them, there's cargo in them. Um, is this going to be a pickup truck that is a real pickup truck that can, that can, that can be a work truck? I don't see building a pickup truck that doesn't work in that environment. We, we believe that if you're going to build a truck, it needs to work like a truck. Hmm. And you know we're we're talking about we're talking about your you know your proprietary charging, uh, uh, you know to go and build a vehicle these days takes a lot of 
effort, time, space. Um, uh, how how do you how do you wake up one morning and decide you're going to build an electric truck? Uh, well, it didn't necessarily start that way. It started with the idea of conversions. That doesn't really work out from an economic standpoint, and it sort of progressed into the idea of okay, let's build a pickup truck. But it's much more than just the truck. I don't necessarily believe in just the vehicle. It's the ecosystem. It's the buying opportunity it's the the ownership experience we're, we're looking at that whole kind of uh gamut of products that can make owning a pickup truck so much easier and better than it is even today and because there is no you know six li- six liter diesel under the hood the you know on your on your website it looks like the uh, you have storage there too right we do, yes. We have one of the largest front storage spaces that you will ever find in an electric vehicle. So this is going to be this is going to be a pickup truck that's a truck, but it's it's also a pickup truck that can take the place of the family SUV because of the storage capabilities. That's right. If you're like me, you use your pickup truck for work. You use your pickup truck for fun, but I also use it to go get groceries on the weekends. Hmm. As, again, you know, you, you talk about the the drivetrain ecosystem, how, you, how you're sort of developing all this, how it was all being put together. Um, again, you, you still had to wake up one day and say, this is what I want to do. What did you do before this? Uh, before this, I actually uh, developed products for the law enforcement space. Uh, a, a number of different products dedicated to saving lives with electronic systems, software programs, integration with cloud-based systems, uh, body-worn sensor systems, and weapon systems. Wow. So, uh, so, so, uh, you know, as you kind of transition from this, uh, that to this, what was the eureka moment that you said, this is what I want to do and why? Uh, So I'm a pickup truck guy through and through. I loved the idea at the time of Tesla and what they were doing with the Model S. And combining those two, I I looked at it and said, there's no reason why we can't do an electric pickup truck. There was no reason why that can't be one of the most innovative products in the world to come out in, you know, 2020. And and looking at that and saying, okay, well, you know, what are the gaps to get there? And I'm using actually some of the lessons that I've learned in building small electronic devices and applying that to the automotive world to do some of these innovative things like fast charging. Hmm. Yeah, I always I always wondered why um, Tesla, either in their Model X or S, didn't hack the back of it off and turn it into sort of a modern-day El Camino. That would be interesting, but I'm not necessarily sure how many people would truly be interested in that. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I think uh, you know you 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 look at you look at like youths across the world, and they're pretty popular. I, I don't know. I think I you know he he did sell you know ten thousand flamethrowers, so you know you never know. <laughs> he did, yeah. Elon Musk is definitely a character. Yeah. Have you have you talked with him? I have not ever actually met no. him. No. Yeah. 
because uh, uh, I, I like a lot of people. I saw the sixty minutes interview and he talked about how you know his his products are all basically open source and uh, the technology is available to anyone who wants it. Although I tried to buy a Tesla lug nut once and I couldn't, but um, but anyway, so. Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, so. Uh, where where are you in sort of research development and uh, and a working model? So we are currently in that prototype phase uh, of development. So we are working on building the XP platform, which is the basis of everything that makes the vehicle move, uh, including things like stability control. Uh, and then, of course, transitioning into uh, we're working on building the prototype of the vehicle itself. And uh, do you have do you have a time frame in mind where you think you where you think you're going to be in you know a year from now sort of thing? In a year from now, we expect to have the base platform, the technology platform, uh, which is the drive systems, the battery pack systems, and. Uh, in, a, in the XP platform in a scalable factor that we can actually start branching out and offering that to uh, vehicle upfitters that build things like step vans and RVs. And uh, one year from now, we'll be transitioning into the manufacturing process for short-run manufacturing of the XT pickup truck as we look to scale that over the coming years. Yeah, last week on the program, we had a, a guy, uh, Josh the Burge, and he... Um he has a Ram. He has a Ram Promaster van that he converted into basically a tiny house, and he would love the idea of that style van that was electric. That he could, he could go cross country. Sort of gone from a, a real estate developer to a minimalist, and uh, and just he loves to hike and travel, and uh, you know the idea of having an electric van would be that would be his dream right and the idea behind the xp platform and the scalable option is that yes we're building pickup trucks today but uh individuals like him could take that van they could swap out the entire drivetrain insert the atlas xp platform and now they would have an electrified solution of a vehicle that they've you know spent time building up uh, a vehicle that they love and it also allows us in the future to very quickly branch into adjacent markets, such as uh, the, the the larger vans, right, uh, as well as heavier duty trucks. Yeah, it, it's uh, that market of the idea of a truck that you know there there are idling laws. You can only idle for so long when you have a truck, especially delivery vehicles. You know the 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 package delivery companies. You know FedEx and UPS and all of those that have to be concerned about fuel use and idling and emissions and and dependability. Uh, an electric vehicle sort of fixes part of that problem. And right now I'm you know I'm staring out the window a little bit and a uh, and a, a a postal van just pulled up. And what a perfect kind of platform for a vehicle that just drives locally around town um, and, and runs on electricity that goes back to the garage at night and can plug in and charge up. Absolutely. Uh, uh, the electrification of that particular market segment is going to do a number of fantastic things. And then even think beyond that, think Amazon delivery services where you have these contract guys going back and forth right between some hub they go back. They charge very quickly. They load their their vehicle up and back out. They go. No, it, it sounds it's you know for people who think electric vehicles are a novelty, uh, 
and maybe they were, you know, maybe they were in the 70s and the 80s and maybe even the early 90s. But uh, with battery development the way it is, uh, uh, I, back back many years ago, I owned an electric conversion, and it was. Um, scary at best it you know had a bunch of a bunch of uh, uh lead acid batteries in it and the, that i think was held together with you know bubble gum and angle iron and and it was uh and it was a kind of a, a well it, it started off as a renault Le car so it wasn't exactly the best car in the world to start off with but um but it it uh, it, it, it wasn't it, it wasn't really a car, but you know the technology today and the technology that you're talking about is going to is going to take this from uh, from a, a car from a vehicle that is practical in certain areas to uh, to uh, um, 24 hour a day, 365 day a year practicality. It sounds like absolutely, yeah. It, it, the the idea is to build a set of technology that can really take us from what is still very much a niche market to mainstream to, to a very broad market and really start to make this shift away from the internal combustion engine into electric uh, electrification. Do you you know right now the electric car market is you know maybe one or two percent of the vehicles sold you know in. 15 or 20 years, if you were had a crystal ball in front of you, where do you think the um, at least the light-duty electric vehicle is going to be as part of the kind of overall population of vehicles? Do you have a guess or a hope? Uh, I think <laughs> we will still have internal combustion engine vehicles on the road today uh, that are you know have been sold today or sold within the next five years. But I do believe that all new vehicle sales within 20 years will shift to 80, 90% electrification. Wow. That's a big number. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I see more and more regular, you know, level two charging stations, you know, at shopping malls and businesses and hotels and restaurants now. And, uh, and, and, in a lot of cases, you see them, and there's if there's a if there's a row of six, there might be one or two cars at them. You know, I envision the day where where you know they're going to have to put more in because those are being utilized. Right, and with the advances in battery technology and the shorter charge times, the necessity to deploy vast numbers of charging stations now becomes less and less important. Mm -hmm. Where. Uh, you're not spending an hour or two hours at a charging station. Right. You're only spending 15 minutes, eventually 10 and five minutes yeah. uh, at the charging station. It becomes as easy as filling up your car today. Yeah, that that, and, is, that is the magic of it, I think, when that happens. One of the things that always concerns me and, and you know, not, uh, you know, probably in your mind somewhere, what about the... Um, what about the infrastructure? What about the the electrical grid behind the charging stations? Um, uh, where where are we if all of a sudden electric cars really truly develop? Do we have the infrastructure to be able to charge up cars, or do you think we will will build it in, or how do you think that's going to work? I think we'll build it in. Uh, where it's lacking, we'll cover those gaps and we'll build it in, especially if the market continues to grow. The incentive is there, right? The incentive is there for utility companies to make that investment, especially when they're selling the power that's going to be used to charge these vehicles. Right. Yes. Uh, in, in a majority of cases, though, uh, the infrastructure is already there. It's simply just 
integration within that infrastructure. That's sometimes the biggest hurdle from the conversations we've had with utility companies. It's not as challenging as it's perceived to be. Uh, so I, I think you're going to see a very rapid expansion of that infrastructure. And then in outlying areas where maybe infrastructure needs improvements, you'll start to see those improvements. So if you're sort of out in the middle of the country where, you know, historically you wouldn't, you, you, you had trouble finding a gas station, the idea is that there, there will be charging stations. You'll, but the range will be, the, the idea of limited range is going to be far less of a problem because you're going to have that three, four, five hundred mile range. Absolutely. I think anything above 300 is crossing that threshold. You're going to see 500 miles in our vehicle by 2020. I think by 2025, you'll start seeing much longer ranges in vehicles as technology continues to advance. No, the technology sounds fascinating. The vehicle and the platform sounds fascinating. Um, If people want to kind of be on the cutting edge of your vehicle development, it's Atlas, A-T-L-I-S, motorvehicles.com. Is that right? Yes, that's our, our website there. And, of course, you can follow us on Facebook and social media. We do constant updates there. That, that's a, a great way to kind of keep in touch and see how it's going. I I love the idea of, uh, you know, this kind of startup company, a transportation startup company, a technology startup company. I think when you combine all of those together, uh, I remember even just in a kind of a, a very simple, simple way years ago, uh, I knew somebody who worked for one of those um, – uh, uh, power supply companies, the things people keep under their desk in case the power goes out. And they took that technology and turned it into an electric bicycle. And I, and just the idea of, you know, that, you know, just I thought was was kind of fascinating in its own way. So the idea of, you know, having an electric truck or an electric platform of something, whether it's a, a step van or a work van or something else that all of a sudden now is battery powered and good for the environment and uh, economical to run. I think it's pretty fascinating stuff, and I wish you the best of luck with it. Thank you. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. All right. So, uh, again, uh, for people to get more information, it's Atlas Motor Vehicles, A-T-L-I-S, motorvehicles.com. Uh, follow, follow you on social media. And, Mark, thanks for taking time out of your Saturday morning. I know you're calling from too early in the morning out in, uh, out, out, out in the West Coast almost. Yeah, no, it's it's not a problem. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Thanks, Mark. Take care and, and enjoy the rest of your weekend. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. That was Mark Henchett. He is the founder and CEO of Atlas Motor Vehicles. And the technology is pretty amazing, actually. The, the idea that you can go, you know, 300, 400, yeah. 500 miles. If they can deliver that, that's yeah. a game changer. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, I, I kind of look out in the parking lot here and, you know, we have – two of the SUVs out here, but the idea of a SUV platform, there's one, two, there's at least three pickup trucks out here that I can see. Um, and like I said, the idea of a, a you know FedEx and UPS and U.S. Postal Service. And the Postal Service actually tried electric vans years ago, but they were lead-acid batteries. They didn't work, and or they worked in a very limited way until the batteries went dead, and then yeah. they... In the the battery the ion batteries, right? That's what they're using now. What are they? Using? Uh, they're using a uh, yeah, lithium ion well, is lithium. is one of and the one production. Of them. The production costs for those are going way down too. Yeah, um, I just want to apologize to the listeners today. We do have another guest coming up, so calling in today is going to be difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, as it turned out, we had we had. Uh, um, 
We had Chris on. We had him planned. Uh, uh, Mark and Shet, he he, uh, he has a busy time coming up over the next couple of weeks, so we took advantage of that. And coming up in about five minutes, we're going to be talking to kind of a co-worker of mine, uh, Ed Welsh. Ed Welsh uh, is the, uh, well, 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 we'll tell you who he is in, in a little bit. But right now, why don't we take a break, pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. We will be back in just a couple of minutes. Welcome back to the Car Doctor Program. I just want to talk about the car that got me around last week, and that's a brand new car, the 2019 Lincoln Nautilus. I love the idea Lincoln is going back to names of cars instead of initials. Uh, the all-new Lincoln Nautilus replaces last year's MKX. Hated the name. The five-seat Nautilus comes in four trim levels, base, select, reserve, and the subject of a road test. The top-of-the-line black label edition. There are two engines available, a 250-horsepower four-cylinder and a 355-horsepower turbocharged V6, which is also not available in the base model. All models of the Nautilus can be ordered with all-wheel drive. Technology is well represented with the latest advanced driver assistance features. Our black label edition Nautilus had park assist, 360-degree camera, uh, parking sensors front and rear, lane-keeping assistant with adaptive steering, blind spot detection, automatic emergency braking, all the advanced driver assistance systems. The interior of our black label edition was luxurious with extremely comfortable 22-way power adjustable front seats. It was with massage function. It was hard to get into my car that has two adjustments of the seats. Um, Add to this the tilt and telescoping steering wheel. Drivers of any size should find a comfortable seating position. The heated seats and steering wheel, when combined with the remote starter, are a very nice option. As George Kennedy would say, the uh, holy triumvirate of winter vehicle, heated wheel, heated steering Heated steering wheel, heated seats, and remote start. Um, the dash looks a little bit busy at first, but actually it's a nice combination of nut, uh, buttons and knobs to minimize distraction. The 19-speaker spe sound system had a nice crisp sound. It should satisfy even fussy audiophiles. Transmission uses a push-button arrangement on the dash, which I found awkward in the vehicle it replaced, the MKX. But after a while, I started getting used to it. It kind of became second nature. The rear seating is also heated and can, can accommodate three adults pretty easily. The panoramic sunroof opens up the interior. The ride is luxury car smooth and maybe one of the nicest riding SUVs I've driven in a while. Um, performance from the twin-turbo V6 is very good. Nicely matches characteristics of the 8-speed transmission. All-wheel drive system is biased to the front but works smoothly. And uh, my road test, I got a pretty respectable 22.8 uh, miles per gallon according to the vehicle's computer system. So overall, just a pretty nice vehicle. So, we did this once about a year and a half ago, where we talked with my buddy, Ed Welsh of AAA, who's also the host of Auto Talk on, strangely enough, AM 950 WBIX. We look back every year, our first show of the year, we want to look back every year and talk about the biggest stories of the year. And I thought one of the biggest things I can do is get my old friend, John Paul, 
the car doctor from WROAM out of nine nine fifty in Boston. And John, you you on the same same call letters as we are. Yeah, same. You know, same frequency. You know, if you drive if you drive north about five hundred miles, you you'll run into your frequency. It seems like, and it's probably not five hundred, but you know, it's it's. Uh, so uh, let's let's start it first. You you've been on WBIX. This is you're going into your thirty first year, right? This is my thirty second year. Thirty second year. Yeah, so our first show of year thirty-two today. Wow, and well, this, uh, you've been around a long time. Yeah, you were just you were just a young kid when you started doing this. Well, you and you and I both started about the same time. We were both putting points in cars. I think. I think I think we're right. Every once in a while, somebody somebody asks me if I if the, if I know what points are, and yeah, there's not many of us left. Exactly. I can actually go to my old Philco cabinet in my garage and show them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like when they, open it, when they open up the museum, we've got stuff to give them, John. Yeah, it, it, it's funny. I did a, I did a video uh, the other day, and uh, we, were, we were talking about the latest, greatest uh, battery testing technology that the AAA is rolling out, the B2Q uh, uh, battery tester that utilizes a smartphone or a tablet, and I dragged out my old battery tester that you could uh, you could uh, uh, toast a piece of bread over the top of it. When yeah, you the, old, the, old vat, the old vat machine. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, I used to have one of those, and yeah, uh, yeah that micro wire in there, we'd, we'd sit there and load, put the load on the battery until we saw it, like, start to burn. Yep. Then we, then, we, then we then we then we know then we know what the battery is doing sort of and now there's now the new testing you know 90 seconds later and you get an accurate report I mean the technology's technology is pretty interesting you have a yeah you have a few you have a few more challenges up where you are up in the up in northern New York uh, we've had uh, one snowstorm and mostly rain. Uh, we've been pretty lucky this year. A couple. I remember the last time we talked. I think uh, we had a hundred, hundred and I don't know, hundred and eighty inches of snow or something. But, uh, but you, you, year, you get you guys are faced with the cold a little bit more than us. We, we are, and uh, we Thanksgiving weekend, for example, we went to twenty five below zero in the North Country here. So, uh, but but interestingly, uh, since about the second week of December, it's really turned mild here, and uh, we don't have any snow to speak of. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been a crazy winter so far, but we all know that winter's going to come back. And when it does, it's going to get us good, I think. Yeah, yeah, really. And if you haven't done those things that you should have done to your car, do them now. Well, you got a chance. It's you know, if you haven't had the battery tested, if you haven't had the antifreeze checked, if you haven't had the oil changed and or, or at least checked, you know, the cars run so good today, but people forget to open the hood and check stuff. They, they, they do it. And, uh, of course, uh, I think the good news is it makes our automotive life a lot easier than the old days. But uh, on the other side of the coin, you know what? You can use up your car a lot faster if you don't take care of it. And I don't think the cost of cars today, we want to keep them a while. Yeah, we were earlier in the program today. I was talking to the guy who runs the Boston Auto Show, and one of the things I mentioned was if you haven't been to the auto show in a bunch of years, you're going to have a little sticker shock when you start to look at prices of cars. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, I remember when the average car was was twenty thousand. We thought that was a lot of money, and then of course uh, we we thought of thirty thousand. Said, okay, you know, it's still a lot of money, but okay, I got that number. That thirty isn't good anymore. No, I, I remember. I remember thirty two thousand kicked into luxury tax. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And now with thirty two thousand, uh, I, I get you a, a stripped down small car that Detroit's trying to dump. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, and that and that's a good that's a good segue to kind of where we're going. You know, we're we're talking about year end in review and you know what happened in 2018. What's going on with sedans? Where are they going? I know it's crazy. You know, it's like Ford bought a train station and then all their cars bought the farm. 
Yeah, something something like that. It it made you know, and Ford wants to be you know a technology company. They want to be a transportation company. But if Ford stops selling, if Ford stops selling sedans, which they say they're going to do, and GM has cut a bunch of theirs out of their lineup, um, you know, and then somebody's going to sit back and go. Why is you know why is everybody buying Camrys and Altimas and and Honda Accords because it's the only thing left and you know people will go well wh- why did we let that happen exactly and you know we saw that the cycle repeat in the past uh, when Detroit back in the old days especially and you and I were pumping gas when when the Arab oil embargo started and uh, Detroit didn't want to make small cars and uh, the guys from Honda and Toyota said, you know what, we'd be happy to make cars. And Datsun back in those days. Yep. And Volkswagen, of course, the ubiquitous bug, which, of course, not even Volkswagen is going to stop making now. And, uh, of course, that's the second time around for the, yeah. the Beatles to go away. But uh, we remember those days, and uh, those guys just owned the small car market. And as things, of course, got more expensive and safety had to come into play, and pollution had to come into play. You know, Detroit, we, we'd still be driving cars that weigh two and a half, three tons if, uh, if there weren't any regulations. That, those, that's, guys, those guys were happy building those things. Yeah, it, it, really, it really is true. And, you know, and people kind of wonder, you look at some of the cars of the, uh, the uh, uh, you know, late, late, or uh, I guess the 80s in general and into the 90s, um, you know, you talk to some of the GM engineers and the Ford engineers at that time, and they were kind of embarrassed with some of the junk they were putting out. Oh, let's face it, the the, the, the Pinto and the Vega, I mean, those are two cars that maybe not want to work on cars anymore. <laughs> those uh, things were terrible. Yeah, yeah, they 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 were they were certainly they were certainly not good cars. And then you looked at you know some of the technology of the of the eighties and and you know and the quality of the cars. You know, they the, you know oh, they would the, rust as they came off the lot. Yeah. And uh, the the Chevy, the Chevette, which I used to call the Shove It, uh, was was a terrible little car. And then you even when they started trying to make better cars, they weren't very good. I remember the Citation is something. It was just a horrible car. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was a car that was uh, it was designed for a rotary engine, and when they couldn't figure out how to put it in there, they stuck something else, and that just changed the whole character of the car. It was it was it it was just. Uh, uh, it had serious brake problems. The engine was not great, and by and like a lot of things, GM does near the end of its lifetime, it actually turned out to be a halfway decent car. That's exactly right. The last the last thing GM ever builds in the line of a car generally is very good and all worked out when it's done. And uh, I've owned a few of those, and over the years, and I was very happy with them. And I said to myself, now that they figured out how to build the thing, they stopped making them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, you know, you people looked, you know, the Fiero was kind of a real interesting car from Pontiac. It, it was horrible when they first built it. It didn't have enough oil in it. The engines would run dry going around the corner. And at the end, when they stuck a V6 in the back of it, it was fast. It handled well, and it was a, it was a really good little car. It exactly was, and uh, the same, the same's about to happen. When I mean, you think of the Ford Fusion. That is one of the, the best medium-sized cars on the planet, bar none, as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, and what are they doing with it? I mean, the car is good-looking. They, obviously, they stole design cues from Aston Martin when they built the thing. And uh, what a great car. And now it's, it's, it's pretty much going into dustbin history. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, it's one of those, and I talked about this a little bit earlier, it's one of those cars that, like the turn of the last century, you could go buy a car that, you know, ran on, you know, gasoline or diesel or, I don't know, wood chips or 
propane or steam or whatever the case was. And the Fusion, you could buy it as a gasoline car. You could buy it as a hybrid car. You could buy it as a plug-in hybrid. Yeah, I actually had one for a while. I had an all, I had an all-wheel drive one with a, with the big V6 in it, and uh, you know, that was that was a really good car. I actually before I, I was I convinced myself I needed a small SUV instead, uh, but I loved that car. Yeah. And uh, the truth of the matter is that's the reason why cars are dying is because we we decided we want to buy small SUVs, and and there's lots of good ones out there. There, there really, there really is. I mean, we kind of took a a trip down memory lane, but you kind of look at, you kind of look at the cars. But I still think it's going to be, you know, a little bit of the Walmart culture. You know, everybody hates Walmart, but you know they come in and they sort of, you know, kick all the little guys out. But on the other hand, they become the last, the last thing standing. And I think this is what's going to happen with the sedan market. Is the, you know, everybody's going to say, oh, the public doesn't want it. But there's going to be a certain percentage of the public that does, and if you can sell a hundred thousand or anything, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of stuff. That that's exactly right. I mean, I was looking at some of the smaller cars that are out there, and, and what's interesting now is they've made small cars with big room inside them. Uh, we, that wasn't always the case back in the day. Mm. When I've gotten into some Hondas, a Honda Fit's a great example. I'm a pretty big fellow, and I got to tell you something. I was I can get in out of one of those pretty easily. Yeah, no, the, the, you know that's a, that's a great little car. It does it does a real does a real nice job. You know the other car that kind of makes me a little sad that GM's uh, going away is the the Chevrolet Volt. Uh, the, yes. the Volt the Volt when it first came out was sort of a luxury electric car uh, with an extended range. Well, they called it an extended range uh, electric motor, but um, you know the the latest generation. You know they did a real they did a really nice job with it and GM's, GM's, yeah GM says no nah, not anymore and and you know that's the part that kills me about this and you know I, I'll we'll make a prediction here and we'll see if we're right about this I believe they're going to take that entire chassis which is I mean how many billions is spent on on research and development and developing that chassis to make it as good as it is today. I think they're just going to take the body off and put an SUV body on it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think if they look at, if they look at, you're right. If they look at what people are buying today, and people are, you know, I'm up on a second floor of a building now, staring out in a parking lot, and probably two thirds of the vehicles out here are either pickup trucks or SUVs, and you know, there's a few sedans in the mix, but mostly pickup trucks and SUVs. And and you're right, take that, take that platform and turn it into something that people want to buy. But on the other hand, I think it's a real mistake to do away with with um with some of the vehicles that people don't want and i'm i'm the furthest thing away from being a being a political guy but uh, when uh trump yelled at uh yelled at uh mary bearer at gm and said something about she said well nobody's buying the chevy cruise and he said build a better chevy cruise and people will buy it well and and guess what he's right about that the the, the problem i think of course is is just i think over the years uh, the other car manufacturers, especially Honda, especially Nissan, especially especially Toyota, you know, they got the reputation of building good, small, quality vehicles when the rest of the fleet out there wasn't so good. So I think a lot of people have built a brand loyalty to those to those makes, and this is what you're seeing today. That's why they're not being able to sell cars. Because I can tell you right now, a Chevy Cruze is a great car, and so is the Volt, and we just talked about the Fusion, and, of course, the Taurus, Imagine having no Impala. I know. I mean, they've been making those things since, I think, 1958. So uh, have that go away is actually unbelievable. And, of course, Ford is smart enough to keep the Mustang, which uh, which would be suicide if they ever decided to mess with the Mustang. 
because that's really the halo card of the whole corporation. But the, the, the bottom line is that, that, that you're right. They've, they build a better car, and, and look at how you're pricing things. Now, obviously, that segues into our electric car discussion because that, you know, that is what's coming, even though they're going to, the best estimate, I think, is it'll be 8% of the market by 2025. It's like 2% of the market today. But, you know, I, I learned something that, I don't know if you saw this, but there's a, there's a YouTube video on the disassembly of, this, of the Chevy Bolt, B-O-L-T, motor that's okay. in that vehicle. I want, it's 58 minutes long, and I, I, I really don't have anything else to do with my life at night, so I, I watch this thing. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, one, when you need, I'm going to send you the link, and I'm going to put it out there so people should go watch this thing. And they disassemble one of these things on the bench. The whole motor weighs 150 pounds. Yeah. And the, the axle, transaxle runs right through the whole motor. And basically, the stator and the windings, and the motor just runs, runs the axles. And it's cooled with Dex Cool, and it uses ATF. And you could take the thing apart on the bench in about 20 minutes. And it is so simple. It is so simple. Yeah, no, it, it it is, and and there's there's a guy from the Boston area, another YouTube guy that I've tried to get on the show. We haven't been able to connect, and he's uh, I think his his YouTube thing is Rich Rebuilds or Rick Rebuilds. I think it's Rich Rebuilds, and what he does is he goes and buys uh, crushed Teslas and flooded Teslas, and he takes them all apart and makes cars out of them again. And you really start, as you watch them uh, tear stuff apart, you really start to learn that as complicated as a Tesla is, it's not that complicated. No, no. I mean, basically, with an electric car, you got a battery, an inverter, and a motor, and, and a bunch of electronics to run it all. And that's pretty much it. And that's really what, what is, is so different. And I'm realizing now why they want, they want to go this route because the most complicated thing might be something like a Chevy Volt that has two complete powertrains in it that, that work very well together, but hybrids are not easy to, to engineer. Mm. Yeah, no, the, the electric cars, uh, 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 earlier in the program we had, uh, we had a guy on from a, uh, well, it's not an electric truck yet, but he's hoping it will be, a company called Atlas Vehicles, A-T-L-I-S, uh, motor vehicles, and he's building a platform, and his first vehicle is going to be a pickup truck, and he's he's predicting a 300 to 500 mile range, 15 minute recharge cycle on his style charger, and uh, and a, and a platform that can go under a UPS truck or go under a mail truck or go anywhere, and you know I I wish him the best of luck. His prediction though in 2025 that he thinks we'll see a much bigger percentage of electric vehicles on the road. I think he's being maybe a little optimistic, but uh, I you know I I I've been in a I've been in a couple electric cars. I've been in a uh, a passenger and a Tesla. Fast as can be, quiet as can be, and uh, and handling's really good. So I think you know, for people who remember electric cars when they weren't much of anything, electric vehicles have a uh, have a real have a real purpose. Yeah, they do. And I think when uh, when you can charge one up in 15 minutes, go 300 miles in it, and cost the same as a thirty thousand dollars sedan, I think they're going to sell lots of them. And I think that's really the draw here. It was we haven't quite got there with those three ish those three things yet. Uh, the people who are buying those cars now, are, of course, are dedicated to it, and they're early adopters. They're high tech persons. Uh, I've got a local person here that, that drives a Bolt every day. And he he actually sends me the the diagnostics of of his of his what's going on inside his car, and uh, I said to myself, I said, you know, I said after seeing how simple it was put together, I think this is it is definitely the future. But but I think everyone thinking it's going to be tomorrow. I think they're a little short sighted because I think the internal combustion engine has got a long ways to go and. 
You know, John, 2018 was a great year for the internal combustion engine. It, re- it really was. And if you're somebody who likes 40 miles per gallon or you're somebody that likes 700 horsepower, there's something for everybody. Exactly. I mean, General Motors, uh, we beat them up a few minutes ago, but you know what? They launched a full-size pickup truck that can run on two cylinders. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're, Mercedes-Benz brought inline six-cylinder back. When was the last time you saw one of those in a German, uh, besides, besides BMW? But they brought those back, right? Right. Nissan brought out the industry's first variable compression engine. And, of course, Mazda is, is just about to release a car that, that has a diesel ignition principle and a gasoline engine. Yeah, that looks like that looks like that's going to be fascinating. When they, if they if they can pull that off, if they can pull off a compression ignition in a gasoline gasoline configuration, they'll they'll that's going to uh, turn the world on its side. I think. Yeah, exactly right. Hey, listen, John, my my producer Davey here, who really keeps a close eye on things, is telling me it's time we got to take a break. All right, why don't you take a break? I'll take a break, and uh, we'll talk again in about four minutes. Right. We'll see you in a few minutes. Thanks, All right, John. All right. You're listening to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Uh, my name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program, and we were talking with uh, my buddy, uh, Ed Welch. Ed Welch is a um, AAA guy. He's been up at AAA for as long as I have, maybe even a little longer. I don't know. We knew each other once when uh, he was the uh, approved auto repair manager up that way, and I was the approved auto repair manager down here. So why don't we take that break? We'll be back in a couple minutes. If you're wondering who that was, it's Craig Fitzgerald and the Sonomatics. Uh, Craig Fitzgerald, who uh, actually filled in for me when I was on an airplane back in November and was in the studio here. That was uh, that's his. Um, that was a fun show. Yeah. Oh, oh, because he had the duck boat guy. Yeah. Too. Yeah. It was a really good yeah. show. And who's uh, now become kind of a fan of the program, by the way. So, awesome. Uh, so uh, thanks to Boston Duck Boats for coming into the studio that day, and uh, and. You know, kind of keeping up with us and see what's going, see what's going on. So uh, it's uh, it's good, it's good. Uh, before we uh, join Ed again, um, another SUV. Somebody asked me about a, a similar SUV, and I guess similar in a way, size and shape to the um, to the Nautilus, the Lexus SUV, and what I kind of thought about that. So the uh, and uh, the Lexus RX350 has always been the standard, which I always judge other SUVs by. Uh, one thing that fell a little short was, you know, seating was. So one of those one of those vehicles that just uh, always works out good and always good to be with. So I think if Dennis does this right and Davey does it right, we may be talking with Ed Welch again. 19, and uh, we've got a, on the line with us our good friend, 
John Paul from WROO AM 950 in Boston. And, John, you back with us? I am. I am. And just uh, for people to figure out what's going on here, uh, you are Ed Welch, and you're host of Auto Talk on, strangely enough, AM 950 WIBX up in New York. Yeah, that, I think that's just that's very interesting. That's a very interesting thing. How did, you know, before we go year in review again, and your audience probably already knows this, how did you get into doing radio? What, 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 uh... What what made you start to do it? I was I was a guest on a local show here uh, in 1986. 86. Yeah. Uh, then they had me back a few times. Again, you know, we were, you and I both working for AAA. Back then, you and I were uh, working improved auto repair guys. Yep. And uh, so you, you know, you're running things up in Massachusetts. I'm here in New York. We're doing car stuff. And uh, I was asked to be a guest on the radio show. And I would come up there, and we would take questions, and people, you know, we're just part of, an, of the normal show that's here in the morning. And uh, after I did it a couple of times, uh, the, uh, the, the general manager here asked me if, if I wanted to do my own radio show. And I was, I knew nothing about it. And uh, for the first 10 years I was on the air, I did noon to 2 on Saturday. You want to talk about getting buried in a time slot. <laughs> and uh, it was and, live. And, and taking out most of your weekend. A- absolutely, but... The, the, the good news was uh, I, I had to learn the business and fill two hours of airtime every week. And, of course, uh, uh, one, of the, one of the things I, I try to never do is miss a show. So I, I think I went, except when, when Saturday following Christmas, we had Christmas programs. I don't think I missed a show for the first 10 years I was on the air, except for Christmas following a Saturday. Yeah. No, so, it, it, uh, and, and, and that's it. And I kind of did the same thing. The, the guy who was probably the me of AAA. Thirty odd years ago, asked me to come in and fill. Asked me to come in and do a radio show in Boston on a on the big Boston station, and I told him I didn't want to do it. I don't do radio. That's not you know. I, I fix cars. I don't do radio. And I went in and I did it, and I was nervous as could be. And he didn't show up. He supposedly got sick. Although he's Irish and it was St. Patrick's Day, so I got my own thoughts about why he didn't show up. But um, but I went in and did it, and, I, and a couple days later, he asked me how it went, and I said, I guess it went okay, and I said, don't ever ask me to do that again. I, I fix cars. I don't talk on the radio. And a couple weeks later, he asked me to be on a big morning show, and I, I said to him, and uh, a buddy of mine, Junior D'Amato, who's also a, a radio talk show host and a columnist and uh, AAR shop owner, said to me, hey, if, work, if being on the radio is going to be part of your job, go find a radio station and volunteer to be there. And that was... Uh, I don't know, 30 years ago. So, um, so I, I've been I've been doing the same thing. I've been uh, hosting a radio show here on this station for 11 years. On the previous station, another 10 years, and I don't know, another five before that, someplace else. So it's been it's been an interesting it's been an interesting ride. And you know, you and I both help people. You know, help people. You know, every day. But you know, every day on the air, we try to try to inform and you know answer people's questions and keep them from getting in trouble. Exactly, and. Uh... You know, it's a fun thing to do, and of course, I tell my listeners all the time, you really can't fix cars on the radio, uh, but but we can put you in the right direction, kind of send you where you need to go and, and get you going in the right direction, and then give you kind of what you need to know when you when you, when you you show up at the shop. You know, you know, for example, last week we talked about check engine lights, and of course, you know, you can pull into any auto parts store, they'll take the reader out, and they'll tell you what, what the code is, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's the part you need. So, yeah. so we talked about the next steps after that, and you do the same thing. We do this every week. And, of course, we both are junkies when it comes to the automotive business. We love just watching what goes on in the automotive business and following it. And uh, you know, before the break, we were talking a bit about the, the internal combustion engine, and 
we'll move on from that. But, you know, one thing that happened this year was this company in Germany called Schaffler. And they were in Detroit at, the, at a, basically at an automaker's engineering with Tier 2 supplier show in Boston this year, or, or pardon me, in Detroit. <clears throat> and they designed a variable cam time, and it used an electric motor. I don't know if you saw this thing. And they literally put a shim under the, under basically the, under where the rocker arms would go. And they, and they had a, a, a solenoid that would just move the shim up and back and forth and change the timing. Hmm. And I said to myself, that is so clever and simple. And if you think of all the, the gyrations that companies have gone to, to to develop variable timing engines, which is incredibly horrible to have to disassemble and work on, I'm looking at this thing saying, look at that, like a door shim sitting under the rocker arms. Yeah. And I said, how simple is this? And uh, so it replaces all the old-style hydraulically operated valve components uh, with electromagnetic system. And that's why I think that the we're not done with the development of the internal combustion engine as we head towards the, the, the electrical car business. I, I will tell you, electric motors are simple enough. I might want to go back to fixing them because I saw that. And we've all, you know, you and I have taken starters apart, alternators, and I'm looking at this thing saying, there's nothing to this thing. It weighs 150 pounds. I can still pick it up and pull it out of the car. So no, it's it, it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing technology. But and kind of on the whole technology front is you know we've seen more and more cars this year that have um, advanced driver assistance systems in them, and uh, that technology is advancing quite a bit too. It, it is, and uh, you know, kudos to the Society of Automotive Engineers for basically keeping tabs on the five levels, and and I go through them with my listeners every now and then because. One of the big stories, I, I think, from the year is that people are realizing that autopilot doesn't really mean autopilot. Uh, yeah, 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 even, even though, that. yeah, even though, what, what was in the news recently? A former Tesla executive was drunk and got behind the wheel of his car and it made it home without him? Yeah, and <laughs> you know what? That was, you talk about rolling the dice, of course, and we all remember what happened to that, that, that guy in Florida earlier in the yeah. year, last yeah. year, I should say, when uh, the, his Tesla couldn't th- see the difference between the tractor trailer about to drive over and the color of the sky. Right. And uh, I think the guy was watching Harry Potter when the, on, on his uh, camcorder yeah. or whatever while, yeah. when uh, the car went under the truck. So, and then we remember the one that ran into the back of the fire truck. So, you know what? I mean, I, I don't like beating up on Tesla because I think that. Uh, that Tesla is is a absolute disruptor to the automotive business, uh, something that's needed. But also, the, the the guy has, I would say, some some business suicidal tendencies that that uh, amazes me. And that's one of the stories of the year is Elon Musk. That the, the guy survived the year and his company survived because he did a lot of crazy things last year to help hurt his company. Yeah, I don't think smoking pot on a podcast was such a bright idea. No, and I don't think setting up some tents outside building cars and tents was a good idea either from a public relations standpoint. Well, but he pulled, he pulled it off and he turned he turned the profit. Well, our our old boss Mark Shaw has a Tesla Model Three, and I went to get in it and I got out of it. I went to close the door and the passenger door didn't close all the way. And I kind of looked at him. He goes, "Yeah, yeah." And so you know, quality wise on the Model Three, yeah, it still needs a little tweak here and there. So yeah, it does, and and uh, you know, just about when they were starting to get his footing, he ran out of rebates. Yeah, and uh, and I, I saw this week he actually cut the price of his car two thousand dollars to try to entice people to buy a vehicle that no longer has the rebates because he lost the seventy five hundred dollars. Yeah, I think that's going to be a real challenge for him because he still has hundreds of thousands of people that have orders waiting. 
And I think they're. I think that they think they were buying those cars for thirty thousand dollars or thirty five thousand dollars plus the rebate. And uh, obviously, that's not going to happen. General Motors is in the same boat now at the two hundred thousand plateau, and so their rebates will start phasing out this year unless Congress changes their minds. But companies who have not focused on that yet, and Ford would be an interesting one because they're bringing a lot of 11, 11 electric models by twenty twenty two, from yeah. what I read. Um, they're going to have the, they're going to have a crack at the two hundred thousand. And then, of course, there's Volkswagen. Yeah, they, I mean, they were, that, that, the whole Volkswagen diesel problem was a three-year story uh, that Audi executive went to jail this year. And uh, you know, the, I hate to say it, but Volkswagen was trying to avoid the automotive version of the Nuremberg trials <laughs> uh, for crimes against humanity yeah, yeah. For, for for their diesel uh, pollution. Because what a slick, horrible thing they did. But now, for Pennons, Volkswagen's basically going to go totally electric. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's going to be real. That's going to be real interesting because their technology platform, their their e golf, um, you know, wasn't a great car. It it, uh, it had, uh, I think I remember reading eighty five mile range. It was way down compared to everybody else's. It, it was a pretty good handling car, and of course, it's a golf, so it's a pretty good car. So, um, you know, with the uh, reincarnation of the microbus, it's going to be electric, and if they get the electric drive platform right, that's going to be a, that's going to be a slam dunk winner. It, yes, it is. We all we all grew up with Volkswagen buses, and I had them in my family. I love the darn things, and um, I think that <clears throat> I really think that Volkswagen is on the right track to redeem themselves. And being one of the biggest automakers in the world, uh, being committed to this, they'll figure it out. Um, they're planning to release a car next year that for twenty three thousand dollars. It's pure electric. Yeah, no, that if, if again, if they're able to pull off what they say they're going to do, and and uh, you know what the one thing we learned about. Uh, about the diesel, the diesel stuff was, um, you know, if the if the engineers set their mind on it, well, if they can't get it done, they're going to lie about it, but they're still going to get it done, and I think that's what's going to happen with the electric cars. If they say they're going to build a twenty-three thousand dollar all electric car, um, they're going to come out with a twenty-three thousand dollar all electric car, even if it costs twenty-four thousand dollars to make it. That, that's exactly right, and of course, Jim had that problem with the Volt. They were losing money on every one of them they make, and I, I think they lose money on every bolt that they make, but I think that the economy of that will change as they sell more cars. And, you know, of course, every year there's always people in those. We talked about Elon Musk a moment ago, but uh, I think one of the big stories of the year was losing Sergio. I mean, there'd be no Chrysler without him. No, that he he was a he was a fascinating guy because when he took a day off here in the states, he would go back to Europe and work on that holiday. If it was a holiday here, he'd work there, and if there was a holiday there, he'd work here. He was a he was a crazed workaholic with a really solid vision of where to take FCA, and uh, he made a couple stumbles on on the way. Uh, you know, the the uh, the reincarnation of the Dar- Dodge Dart may, maybe wasn't a winner, but. So he needs a slant six, right? That's his yeah. problem. Yeah. And I, and I read they might be bringing that motor back. So, uh, which works for me. I love the slant six. Uh, so, what, what, you, never, you never dropped the screw down the, uh, when you were putting points in, you never dropped the screw down inside the distributor? <laughs> hey, listen, I, I would, I don't, yes. <laughs> but, but there was no something, the motors, you couldn't kill them. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't kill them. And I learned after a while, you just take the distributor out, set up the points, and then put it back in. It was a whole lot easier. You do it on the, you do yeah. it on the bench. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. exactly. The, yeah. uh, but, uh, but Sergio, if you think about that guy, he, I mean, let's face it, Chrysler was in horrible financial condition, and the entire Italian automaking industry was in bad financial condition. The guy took 
these these two financial losing companies that were doomed doomed basically from a financial standpoint, and uh, he put it, he melted them both together and figured out how to keep them rolling, and uh, that the guy was a genius from a business standpoint, and like you said, absolute workaholic, great work ethic, and it was an absolute shock. I mean, the guy has, I mean, he was he was planning to retire, but he had some kind of embolism or something from yeah. the surgery, yeah. and 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 that was it for the guy. So uh, I think that. Chrysler and uh, Fiat Chrysler is in much worse position today without that guy's leadership, and hopefully the company will do well. Cause I'm, 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 we're rooting for them. Yeah, uh, you know, Fiat, Fiat makes a, that little four-cylinder motor they make is very, very good. Yeah, and I hope that they they turn out uh, pretty well. And on the bad side of people this year, I mean, how about Carlos? Right, yeah. Carlos Goshen, the, the guys, the guys, the CEO of of Nissan slash Mitsubishi. And the guy goes. To, I think he's still in jail. Yeah. And how much did he embezzle? Something around. He underreported his income by about eighty-two million dollars, and then used used a bunch of personal of company assets for personal gain. And uh, you know, the, I I am amazed that he's actually survived this long for what he did. But um, I mean, the Japanese. I mean, let's face it, the old old school Japanese executives doing something like this, you know, they'd go back out with the Bushido knife. Yeah. And it'd be it for them. They but they would they'd have the honor to do that. <laughs> um this guy's I that's why the Japanese arrested him. They they're not sure what to do with him, but but I think he's gonna get out of jail. But he's what a terrible thing to do. Yeah, and it's not like he didn't make enough money. No, the guy was a rock star in the automotive industry. Yeah. So I mean there we really have it. Uh, you know, I think that we had some interesting people stories as we do every year. Uh, obviously, the shrinking of automotive of the car business is very interesting, and of course, uh, all the new technology in the automotive business, as far as both electrically and combustion engine-wise. And I think I think we can, we we can predict the death of the diesel. I think that would be a pretty safe bet, don't you think? I I think I think so. Although you know you you hear about you know you hear about a couple of manufacturers coming out with coming out with a new diesel. It'd be interesting. Yeah, Ford, yeah. Put one. <laughs> yeah. It'd be it'd be interesting to see. But I think the you know the other part is um, you know the last year or two with. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't care whatever anybody says. It was the year of the muscle car or muscle truck. Um, yes, you know, right. the idea that Jeep had that Trackhawk that was, you know, 770 horsepower, basically a Hellcat engine in a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Yeah, isn't um, that crazy? Crazy, but, uh, you know, somebody... Somebody said. Somebody wrote to me once and said, why would anyone ever buy one of those? And I'm like, I'm not really sure, but I'm kind of glad they built it. Yeah, me too. And you know what? The, the bottom line is we're in the golden age of the automobile. Yep. And I think that we'll close on that, John. I, I can't thank you enough for joining me today. Hey, uh, same same here, Ed. And uh, I don't know. We'll probably we'll probably talk Monday Monday morning at our Monday morning meeting. That's that's right. We will have our Monday morning conference call. We we should do this more often. All right. Take care, Eddie. Hey, thank you very All much. Right. Bye bye. Bye bye. That was Eddie Well. She is the uh, host of uh, Auto Talk on AM nine fifty W IBX, which has nothing to do with AM nine fifty W R O L. But uh, it was a little. You know, what'd you think, Dennis? It was fine. Yeah, I mean the 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 syncing up what needs some some fine tuning there, but <laughs> hey, I think it, I think it went pretty well. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, we we did this. I always knew he did a radio show um, uh, because him and I kind of lost touch because I went to work in a different department than he did, and he actually became the general manager where he was, and um, so we kind of lost touch a little bit. We ran into each other ten years ago at some 
conference, and uh, I knew we still did the radio program, and uh, and I suggested we you know we should figure a way to kind of do this, and uh, I don't know I think uh, you know from AAA standpoint I think it's just kind of a fun thing to do, and from a radio standpoint I talk to another. Uh, Talk to another radio guy and talk to another automotive guy, and I think it's uh, all kind of fun. So, it you know, was, it was all, really neat. All good stuff. So, I think today's show was very interesting. Sorry again, callers, just terribly sorry. It's just when you have three guests, it's kind of difficult to take calls. Uh, that that is true. And uh, next week we have one guest. Okay. Uh, we're going to be talking to Lauren Fix. Uh, Lauren Fix uh, is an automotive uh, journalist and. Host of, I don't know, she does all kinds of stuff. We're going to talk to her next week. Haven't talked to her in quite a bit. And, and then. And because I'm such a uh, uh, Scrooge when it comes to the free giveaways, mm-hmm. I'm going to say, how do you get those free giveaways for the auto auto show next week or two weeks from now? You just email me. See, at don't call. jpaul at aaanortheast.com. If you don't have email, if you don't have email, call 1-800- 868, no, not 1-800. I forgot my own phone number. <laughs> 401, so Rhode Island, 401-868-2000, extension 2121. Let it ring. It'll go into voicemail and leave me your name and address, and I will send you out tickets to the auto show. How's e- that? Easy as pie. Easy as pie. And it doesn't so, bother me. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> 401-868-2000-2121 is my work phone number. Or, you know, find somebody who has email. Find somebody who has something, and uh, and we can do that. Hey, look. Who's, uh, who's top that? Top of the morning, top of the morning. Who's, the, who's, 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 that, who's that guy who's not Paul Sullivan? It is Bobby Brooks filling in for Paul Sullivan. And you, got, you, you couldn't be more Irish looking today. Yeah, I decked it out today because you do a little Facebook post and you want to make, you know, you want to play the part and all. Yeah. And, um, and so even the shirt under your shirt looks like it has. Uh, no, it's my brother's delivery company. Oh, okay. I won't oh. give it a plug on oh. here because, you know, he's not a sponsor. Oh, uh, well. You understand it, you're on radio, right? I do have a great face for radio. Uh, well, you know, I, I'll give it Brooks Delivery, it says yeah. on the shirt. So yeah, it's it's, it's very company. It's very matching to what you're wearing. It's so. right. Well, it's kind of, it's a fine, soft day out there today, Paul, you know? Yeah, you know, yeah. It's kind of cool and chilly. And, yeah, uh, well, is, it, is, it, yeah. Uh, is it like it Ireland? Is. Well, I don't know. I've never been yet, so if you can believe that. I can't. Yeah, well, my kids better get going, start saving some money, and get me and the mother over there. Yeah, yeah, because you know, yeah, it's uh, I, you know, we, you know, when we had Josh on last week, kids, I didn't realize, you know, his father owns a travel agency, and specializes in cruises, but he was also man of the year in what towns he live in, Medford or Somerville or somewhere. Medford. Medford. And man his, his mom, well, his stepmother. My, okay. My friend's mom. Okay. Um. One woman of the year this past year, wow, person of the year or something to that effect. And I didn't, I didn't understand his rear name, his real, his last name till I read it, because the Burge, the Burge. And I, I, I didn't know what you were saying. You know, I thought it was like, yeah. So, but it's like the Burge was is his name. And uh, but yeah, he's uh, Josh is an interesting character. He's he's a great kid. Yeah, I shouldn't say kid. I mean, he's. In his mid thirties, yeah. I just, I've just He's, known him since he was a kid. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. I need a nickname like that, like just a one, like Cher or you know Bono. I like like Brooks or something. You know, I, I need something to, to to identify myself with. Huh. You know, how's yeah. it? How's it a little bit of trivia for you today? All right. Today, first show of 2019 for yep. the Irish Hit Parade. Yeah. 
going into our 52nd year. And I did the first show last year for 2018. So I'm like sending a little trend here for myself. Uh, you are. You are. You did, But you didn't do the one 51 years ago, though. No, I didn't. I was just, I was probably around three or four years old. My grandmother and mother were probably listening, though. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Paul Sullivan, uh, what, 30 some, 35 years ago More or something? Money, yeah. 35, 36 yeah. years. Yeah. Matt O'Donnell, 30 Three, years. Yeah. Bill Bailey now is on his 10th year. Johnny is three to five years. And I'm just, you know, a, a wee Wayne uh, going into my. Uh, Seamus? Can't forget Seamus. Well, Seamus is doing on this station for at least 10 years, but even before yeah. then. Yeah. So he might be 20, yeah. 30 years at some yeah. of the other stations. And, so. and Johnny Costello, he might only be here two or three years, but his yeah, energy level his energy level makes up for the past 20. Yeah, Johnny has, has two speeds. Just, you know, uh, go, 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 then sleep. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. Go go go! Are passed out, but yeah. either way, you know, because he works. He actually works three jobs. He works here. Uh, yeah. He he tends tends bar at Bates in in uh, the landing down in Weymouth Landing. Yeah. And uh, and he uh, carries the U.S. mail. Yeah. Actually, I, I brought a uh, well. I, I won't say it over the air, but I did uh, bring a little surprise in for Bill Bailey, Matt, and Johnny, because we had the opportunity a little before Christmas. The four of us all got together and met together, and we had a couple of uh, had a couple of gargles of uh, Guinness together and just it was nice because the four of us generally don't get all together unless we have a little party yeah so where, where, where where was that uh, at the the aforementioned oh uh, okay oh okay you, uh, all right yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah which you which you have been to i've been to dennis has been there um it's a great little place and i don't know if we're supposed to plug places like well that, now they'll be entitled yeah. to be a sponsor now. that's right and that's right that's right them into yeah. Being a sponsor. yeah hey um we're we're starting to we're starting to run out of time here a little bit. I is, think is the piano guy on? Yet? No, not yet. Piano. You well, know, I've heard this song. There's a, there's a radio, and I heard your your this little song that plays. And I go, hey, this is an actual song that plays on the radio. It's one of those old. old yeah, radio and stations. and my uh, my music that I uh, start the program with um, is an actual song, and where we have it, it's, it's one of those kind of, you know. You pay for it, you own it, sort of thing, and sure. you can use it wherever you want. And I notice it gets used here and there and other places. And every once in a while, I hear it and go, "Wait, am I am I supposed to be on the radio?" <laughs> yeah. So I, all along, I thought it was Dennis just coming up with this stuff, playing it on the piano and well, playing it on the air. Well, the my opening music and my closing music, both of these, came from my old program on uh, WJDA in Quincy. Wow. So I actually, like Howard Stern, I took my carts with me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. There we go. Hey, the very best in Irish music coming up with Bobby Brooks filling in for Sully. Uh, great, great music, great fun. Oh, wait, Johnny Costello. Go, 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 go. Passed out. Great show, Johnny. So, little message from our buddy Johnny Costello, by the way. So, he's uh, he's, he's streaming WROL in his pocket. Hey, until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.